thinking during that, that worship set um, about why we even come to church on Sunday. <laughs> you know, why would we come? And, and part of it is to learn. We talked about that last week. Part of it is to, to learn from the Word and to get fed. But ideally, if this is your only meal from the Word, you're starving spiritually. Oh, fourth and fifth graders. Sorry, fourth and fourth through sixth graders. Jeremy, go with Jeremy. If you're fourth, fifth, or sixth grade, go with Jeremy. I think most are already over there, actually. <laughs> um, you, you know, so why do we get together? It, it shouldn't. It can't be just to get fed from the word from a pastor. Because hopefully you're eating through the week from the Word. You're going to the Word and learning. But I think that one of the biggest things that we get when we come together is that we get to participate in worshiping our God. We get to meet God. God shows up uniquely when there's more than one. When, you know, there's a group of Christians, disciples, followers of Jesus that come together to worship Him. There's something unique. There's something unique. And, and the idea, the goal is that we give up ourselves. We don't come to get, but we come to give. And being part of the church uh, with, with the Holy Spirit in us, we experience God. And so that's what we want to do. We want to experience God. Yes, we are going to learn. We are going to look at what God has to say to us. But hopefully this is a time where it's all focused on God. It's because of Him. It's because of Jesus. So let me, let me pray. Lord Jesus, we are here because of You. Because of the cross. Because of forgiveness of sins. And new life which is given in You. And Jesus on the cross, you said, it is finished. So we don't have to earn your love. <laughs> we don't have to earn salvation. Most people believe that it's a scale. And if you do more good than bad in your life, you'll get to go to heaven. Thank you, God, that's not true. Thank you, God, that it's all based on you and that we can experience you. Jesus, you said eternal life is that they know the Father and the Messiah, you whom the Father sent. That's eternal life now and then that we know you. Thank you for that. Thank you that it's, eternal life isn't what we do in our own strength. We love you. Amen. So you're getting us in, I think it's the third week in our series, A Better Way. A better way. Jesus offers a better way. In Proverbs he says that there is a way that, that seems right to a man, but in the end it's the way of death. But there is a better way through Jesus. A better path. Jesus offers life. And what we talked about two weeks ago is it's the abundant life. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And we, uh, we got really deep into the Greek of the word abundantly. It means abundantly. <laughs> he came to give us life to the full overflowing. It means just what it sounds like it means. Abundant life through Jesus. A life of peace. A life of joy. A life of purpose. Despite circumstances. You know, I, I mentioned that I, I thought about titling this series, Stuff Happens, because stuff happens. Life happens to everybody. But in the midst, we can have peace, joy, purpose, despite our circumstances. Because if our joy and our happiness, our inner happiness, is dependent on our circumstances, we're going to be disappointed our whole life. We're going to be stressed our whole life till we die and we get these new bodies, which is going to be great. But that life that God offers is right now, this abundant life. So we looked at, this is Jesus' invitation. He said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sounds good. That's what I want. Inner peace and joy despite circumstances. That's that rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. So he says, I'm going to give you rest, and now here's a labor. 
his yoke, which is we are yoked to Jesus as disciples. We are lifelong learners of Jesus where he teaches us. We don't arrive till we're there. So we don't have to come into church pretending like we're there because guess what? I know you're not. And you know I'm not. <laughs> What's wonderful is we go with Jesus. And so as I make mistakes, which I do a lot, I'm yoked to Jesus, and he shows me his way, and I learn from him, and you learn from him. So that's the better way, learning from Jesus, taking on his yoke, which is his mission. What he has given us to do, not just building our own kingdom, but, you know, our mission statement here is to expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. That's Jesus' yoke, and it's easy and it's light is what he says. His burden is easy and light. So we moved on past that to go, okay, what's that look like then? How is this realized in our life? And last week, we saw that Jesus, that God, wants to speak directly to you. And he uses his word primarily. This is, every, every word in here is God breathed. He breathed, it appeared on the page, and there's a message for you. And he said, if you're not going to it and eating, feeding on God's word, how will you ever hear from God? And you're going to continue to live the way you're used to. Worried, stressed, struggling with sin because we need to go spend time with God, hear from Him through His Word. And so we looked at a strategy of soap. You look at a scripture, you, you have a plan, and you go through scripture somewhat. I mean, it's up to you, but whatever your plan is, but you, you find a verse or two that sticks out to you and you write it down. Write some observations. Soap. Oh, observation. Write some observations about that scripture. And then A, apply. Remember, James said, be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. How does that scripture apply to me? And then prayer, we pray back. That's one of the ways we experience this abundant life. And so today we're, we're moving on and we're looking at something else that is a vital part of this abundant life. Um, but to begin, I kind of have to make a confession. So church, it's kind of a social thing, isn't it? You, you come in and, and you have coffee and you hang out and you talk. I'm an introvert. At my core, I'm kind of antisocial. Um, I thrive alone. When I moved to uh, Russia right after college, I lived alone. I didn't have a TV for two years, and it was great. <laughs> I mean, it was really great. It wasn't like I missed people all that much. I guess I did a little. We found some old videos I made then. I missed people a little. But, but I, I'm an introvert. You know, I, I would read books. <laughs> I would play my guitar. That's what I would do. My best friend was a cactus that Callie had given me. And it, it sat up on a shelf and it had little eyes glued to it, and I named it Prick. <laughs> and, and so... <laughs> So it's okay. <laughs> yes, no. But the, the point is that I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. Maybe you can relate. And if you can relate to me as an introvert, coming to church is kind of weird sometimes. And it's, it's kind of weird, all this relational stuff. Well, when I lived in Russia during that time, I lived alone. I did a lot of stuff alone. One of the things I loved to do is I, I would get a book and I would... Is that for me? No, that's okay. <laughs> I would get a book and I would go to a place called The Coffee Bean. And I would sit there and if it was, well, if I was dressed warm enough or it was summer, I would sit outside and I would look at the beautiful architecture. And I would look at, I would watch the people coming by, I would drink a cappuccino and I would just read. And it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was just awesome. I'd get on the metro and I'd go to a different one in, in Moscow and I just, the experience was great. But that experience was nothing compared to an experience I had in Switzerland. I went to Switzerland, um, toured around, went to Interlaken and saw some cool stuff. But I'll tell you, I don't remember a lot about my time in Switzerland other than I was there with Callie. It was before we were married. Um, my parents were there. They came to visit. My aunt and uncle were there. My sister and her husband were there. And the best part of being in Switzerland was being there with them. 
actually. The memories I have as I look back, this was 14, 15 years ago, I don't know, 14 years ago. How long have we been married? Okay, so 14 years ago-ish. But I remember wrestling with my uncle in the snowbank you know, on a Switzerland street. Um, I remember watching my dad and my uncle wrestle in the room and there wasn't room for them. Um, I remember, you know, sitting at, in this old little French town, Cobble Street, me and Callie sitting outside um, and I was enjoying wine and looking around and she had a root beer. Um, but the point was really what was great about that was who I was with. There's something about an experience that it's not fully experienced until you experience it with somebody. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? I bought cross-country skis and I used them like twice because that's really hard work. But I brought cross-country skis and one day I went cross-country skiing. We had just had a deep snow um, and I was on this Russian river and the tr it was just beautiful and I was enjoying it, but it wasn't fully enjoyed until I pulled out. I, I was a locksmith in the embassy at the time and so I had a phone because I was on call, but I was able to call Callie from the middle of this lake. So I called Callie and I'm describing it to her. And I didn't fully enjoy, enjoy it until I was describing it to her. Why is that the case? Why is it that we want to experience things with people? The best part of life, really, and what we take with us, is our relationships. Yet the hardest thing about life, and that causes the most pain, is relationships, isn't it? That's the life God has given us. Um, what we're talking about today, what we're looking at, is that we are made to be in relationships. God's better way, Jesus' better way, is realized when we get into relationships, real relationships with other believers. We call it community. If you look over here, that's our three key relationships. Up, we think Jesus is the essence of transformation. You've got to be walking with God on a daily basis, connecting to him through his word. In, community is the context for transformation. If you want to see your life change, get better, you need community. Meeting other people. And then the next one is out. Service is the catalyst of transformation. We lived to have a relationship with the, the world, the lost. But today we're focusing on that in, this community aspect of it. Um, now, I have to take kind of a time out. Sermon within a sermon. This series is titled A Better Way. And it's predicated on Jesus wants to give you an abundant life. If you want the abundant life, but it's all about you, you're never going to get the abundant life. So here's my point. If you're here listening and, you, and this is all for you, I want the abundant life. I want peace, joy, purpose. I want that for me. And that's your main thing. That's why you go to the Bible. That's why you come to church. What do I get? You're never going to get it. So there's something about this life that's, that's a little bit different. You will receive all those when it's no longer about you <laughs> and you engage for others. When you want that for other people is when you'll start having that in your own life. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like humility. Yeah, we want humility, right? But can you strive for humility? In striving for humility, it's, it's kind of, you, you can't achieve humility until you forget that you're even trying to achieve it. Does that make sense? So you want to achieve the abundant life in Christ, you'll only achieve it when it's not about you anymore. And you're not just striving for your best life, you're looking for God and for others. That's what we're looking at today. Look at Colossians, if you would, please. Colossians chapter 3, it's page 680 in this Bible. Uh, we use the English Standard Version, not because it's the best, but because it's what we chose to use. English Standard Version, so if you're on your phone or something, look up the ESV. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and Peter will give you one. Anybody need a Bible? It's okay. No? Okay. Nobody needs a Bible. Um, 
And by the way, it is okay to look at the Bible on your phone. Right, Jenna? It's totally okay. God approves it, I think. <laughs> so turn to Colossians chapter 3, if you would, please. We're going to see what God had to say through Paul. I'm going to start with just verses 1 through 4. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Beautiful picture here. You have died. When we come to Christ, we, we realize what he did for us. We lay our life down. We take his life on. We give our lives to him. New creation. What did Paul say in 2 Corinthians? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed. New things have come. We have to realize that. This is who you are. You're now part of the church. You are now a son or a daughter of the king. You're accepted no matter what. Beautiful picture. But what we see here is Paul is talking about this new self. And our goal, what's our goal as you look at this? Set your minds on things that are above, not things on earth. You have died, your life is hidden with Christ. The goal is that Christ lives through you. We say this often, anything of value you do on this earth is simply God doing it through you. It's a result of what God is doing in you. And so our goal as Christians is to be like Jesus. That's our goal, to be like Jesus. This is in your notes if you're a note taker. There's also the app, and on the app you can take notes and you can save it and you can email it to yourself. Um, but here's the first one. The abundant life is found as we seek to be like Jesus and allow Jesus to live his life through us. This is very, very important. The Christian life is not what you can do for God. He doesn't need you. <laughs> The Christian life for Derek is not what Derek can accomplish for God. God does not need me. He proves it over and over. The Christian life is Jesus living his life through you. That's the Christian life. Not what you do for God, but Jesus living his life through you. And so our goal is to be like Jesus, letting him live his life through us. There's a lot of peace that comes from that. A lot of peace that comes from that. But let's look on a little bit. Look at verse 5. Now we're still kind of setting up the context. We're really going to be focusing on verse 12 and on. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So here's the picture. Uh, Paul is saying, if you belong to Jesus, you're something new. And so you need to put off the old self. You need to put on the new self. There's things that you used to do that you might still struggle with, and you have to consciously submit to God, seek him, and let those things change. And then it's kind of like the picture of getting dressed. And then there's some things that we should put on. Uh, I taught this once with a mannequin. <laughs> and I took off its clothes, all the things that we aren't supposed to do, and I put on other things. And a Christian is to look different. They're not supposed to look like the world. They take off the world. They put on Christ is really what we're looking at. And then he goes on, starting in 
Let's look at verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen one, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, meaning you are set apart and you are loved, starts there. So then put on this, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Here's a picture of what the new life looks like. Here's what we put on. And the reason we even teach on this, the reason Paul and other writers write so much about it, is because when you become a Christian, wherever you start, okay, when you're 10, 13, 25, 68, wherever you start, you have old habits that need to be changed. And so I like the analogy that walking the Christian life is like learning to throw left-handed. So I've been throwing right-handed my whole life. Most of us here are probably right-handed. What if something happened I couldn't throw right-handed, but I still wanted to go play softball? You know, <laughs> throw like this. I'd say I throw like a girl, but that's not fair. Um, <laughs> Callie's a softball player, so I can't say that. She can throw harder than me. But, but learning to walk the Christian life and live it out, this abundant life that God has for you, learning how to actually have that abundant life realized in your life is like throwing left-handed. It takes practice. It takes learning. It takes training. It takes some discipline to learn how to live this life submitted to Jesus Christ, seeking God in all we have. And so that's why he writes this, to help you know what it looks like. The things that you should stop doing, the things you should start doing, here's what it looks like. Again, the Christian life is not you living for God. It's Jesus living his life through you. So before any of this can happen, you are seeking God in relationship. Never forget that. It's not you trying to do this in your own strength. You are seeking God in relationship, hearing from him. Then this comes out through your life. Now, I want you to notice some of these things. Um, as we look in these verses, you see the word you repeated. You, you, you. And maybe if you're like me, a lot of times in your life you've read this and you've, you've thought, this is about me. Paul is telling me to do something, you. But the words he uses here prove that Paul is from Oklahoma. He's using the word y'all. <laughs> y'all, y'all. It's not you singular, it's you plural. So he's saying, y'all put on these things. Y'all do these things. He is speaking to a community. And look at the things that he asks people to do. Compassion. Compassion. It's a deep feeling about someone's difficulty or misfortune. Compassion. Put on a heart of compassion. Kindness is in there. And I like the definition of, of kindness. It's the spirit produced... Again, you don't fabricate this. The spirit produced goodness which meets the need and avoids human harshness. This, that's kindness. That's God's kindness. That's Jesus being kind through you. Listen to that. The spirit produced goodness which meets the need. So kindness is seeing the need and meeting it. Not just feeling bad for somebody, but having a feeling for somebody and meeting their need. Look at this though. 
and avoids human harshness. How often do we meet a need with a bad attitude? <laughs> well, we do this because we're supposed to. Or, uh, you know, a sibling or whatever, you, you do the right thing, but you do it begrudgingly. We do it without harshness. Or, or parents, how many times have you done what's good for your kid, but you've laid a guilt trip at the same time? <laughs> you want them to know what it costs you? That's human harshness. Kindness doesn't do that, because kindness isn't about me. So I'm going to do something for you, and I don't need credit. I don't need you to know how much it cost me. That's kindness. That's, you can't do this in your own strength, because we want credit. This is God through you. That's kindness. Humility. Lowliness of mind concerning oneself. Put on humility. Again, you can't create this. You only get this by seeking God. And as you see God, you see a reflection of yourself, and humility is inevitable. Gentleness. Strength and control used for God's purposes. Patience. Long-suffering. I like this one. We put on patience. God makes patience in us. Long-suffering meaning it takes you a long time to get angry. The patient person is one that you can just sit there and poke and poke and poke and poke and poke. And it takes a long time before they lash out at you. You know, my sister, my older sister, she used to do this. Maybe you guys did this. But she'd get really close to me and go like this. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. <laughs> you know, I see some of you who did that. I'm not touching you. Patience is, is being able to sit there for a really long time before you go, Wah! you know, and do something. That's patience. But that's what God forms in you. And you will see this. As you get close to God, you will become patient. And it's after a situation you'll look back and go, I didn't get angry. I normally get weird. What's wrong with me? And it's just Jesus beginning to live through you. But putting the effort in is okay to realize I need to be patient. You know, I'm not touching you. <laughs> patient, long-suffering. Now, I want you to notice something. What do all these attributes require? to be carried out. All these Christ-like attributes in you, what do they require? They require relationships. You can't do these alone. You're not at home going, I'm really patient with myself. <laughs> I'm really kind to myself. They require relationships. It's just assumed that you will be in relationships. I want you to hear something. This is a quote from Vance Pittman. He says this, without community, I cannot faithfully follow Jesus. I want you to hear that because here in America, you'll hear this all the time. Well, me and God are good. I have a relationship with God, but I don't really like his church. Meaning you don't like his bride. I like God. I just don't like people. I'm okay. Me and God do our God time. We're just, I don't need to be with people. Here's that quote. Look at that. Without community, I cannot faithfully follow Jesus. Do you get that? That's what the Bible teaches. That's what Paul teaches. That's what Jesus teaches. Let's just say that together. Ready? Without community, I cannot faithfully follow Jesus. Seriously. I'm not kidding. <laughs> you need to be in community to be faithfully following Jesus and to experience the abundant life he has for you. Now, Community can look different. There's not one strict way, you know, we have outpost groups. It's not like you have to do it exactly this way. Community can look different, but there's some things that it has to have, and we're going to look at some of that. But without community, you cannot be a faithful follower of Jesus. But community in the church is not optional. That's the point I want you to get. It's not optional. It's not another program you can choose. You know, we are, we are very, we're very co consumeristic here in America, aren't we? And it's, it's in the church, too. 
consumer church. You go to church to see what you can get. You know, what, what do they call it when you move to a town and you want to figure out what church you're going to go to? What do they call it? Church shopping. <laughs> I'm going shopping for what gives me what I want. That's not what the Bible teaches. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to go visit different churches and see where you would fit, but are you going to see what they can give you, or are you going to see where does God want to use me for his work with the community? There's a different way of looking at that. We get rid of the consumerism, and we go into community to see what we can give, how we can participate. But again, it's not a program. You know, a lot of churches will have, we have outpost groups. It's another word for small groups. So we have our small group ministry, and you can be in women's ministry and men's ministry, and you can do kids, and you can do all this stuff. You can go on mission trips, and you can be in small groups. And small groups is just another thing you do. It's, it's a program. And so you walk in, and now here's the menu of all the church offers. Uh, I'll take some of that one and some of that one, and if I feel like it, I'll do the small groups thing. Community is not optional. It's just not optional if you're going to be a faithful follower of Jesus. In church, you can come in and sit. A lot of people aren't going to stay here very long, probably at first, because we're small right now. <laughs> and you know what? You can't hide here. I see all of you. <laughs> you cannot hide here. We want to go to church, don't we, a lot of times? And me as an introvert, this is so me. If I'm going to visit a church, I'm going to sneak in, sit in the back, and leave me alone. <laughs> But uh, there's two people sitting in the back nodding their heads, Peter, <laughs> Benjamin. Um, but you cannot faithfully follow Jesus if you're not in community. It's not optional, okay? It's not optional. It may look at different things, but it's not optional. Um, look at verse 12. I'm going to read this again. It says, put on men as God, chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. This is in your notes, if you're a note taker. A person on the better way, cares deeply for others. Cares deeply for others. That's a big deal. For you to experience this life of peace, joy, purpose, you have to care for other people. But it's God producing that care in you. A person on the better way cares deeply for others, considers them more important than themselves, and acts on that belief. We could go to all kinds of scriptures to prove that this is true. But you consider, that's in Philippians, consider others more important than yourself. You care about others, and you act on that care by putting them above you and doing something about it. Now, because of that, because this is the Christian life, this is the abundant life in relationships with other people. And what did we say at the beginning? Relationships give us our greatest joy, but also our greatest pain, our greatest difficulty. The hardest thing in my life is people. Well, the hardest thing in my life is me. The second hardest thing in my life is other people. It is, isn't it? And so look at verse 13. He says this, where am I? Bearing with one another. And if one of you has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Why did he put that one in? Paul knows relationships are hard. So he's saying, stick it out. Bear with one another. It's worth the effort. It takes work. It's hard. Relationships are hard. That's okay. It takes work. It takes figuring it out, learning. But verse 13, here's your, your note, Phil, and relationships are difficult, but worth the effort. Relationships are difficult, but worth the effort. Relationships are difficult, but worth the effort. And here's just another fill-in. I just kind of threw it in that we remember. Jesus is our example. 
read through the Gospels and just watch the life of Jesus. He's our example of how to be in relationships with people. When did Jesus ever lose his patience or snap on people? The, the religious leaders, that's it. You know, he got on his disciples, so he's like, oh, where's your faith? But I think a lot of time he's wishing, <laughs> he's warning them, he's appealing to them. Where's your faith? You have little faith. I love you. But then he goes in and he sees his father's house being used as a place for selling and making money, and he gets ticked, and he makes a whip. Now, how long would it take to make a whip? This is something you never think about. This is not even in my notes. But he had to go, and he had to get the materials, and he had to sit down and weave the whip. And the whole time he's like, <laughs> you know, he made the whip, but he then went back in and started whipping them out of there. But with those in his community, with those he was close to, he was very, very patient. Very patient. So he is our example. Jesus is our example. So look back, remember back, I, I told you when I moved to Russia, I lived alone, uh, I just read. I graduated college and I realized how much I didn't know, and so I wanted to learn. So the first year I read probably 50 books. And they were on apologetics and theology and you name it, I read it. And I just read I, and I was absorbing and taking notes and if you find any of the books from them, there's always underlining. But let me tell you this, the learning that I've had in my life of value way more have come through relationships than they ever have through any books. Because relationships are where it's all applied. The Christian life is applied in relationships. And that's where you actually have to wrestle through. A lot of times we define maturity as in what you know. It is not what you know. It is what you can apply and live out primarily in relationships, I'll be honest. In relationships. So I want to define community real quick, because that's what we talk about, these relationships, godly community. Here is a definition of community. Godly community is a community of people together, rightly relating to God, one another, and the world. Again, up, in, and out. But as a community, it is a community of people together, rightly relating to God, one another, and the world. Okay. That's our passage. That's what we looked at. I want to give a little proof. <laughs> Just real quick. Why? Because if you're like me, you go, okay, whatever. I look back at my life. A lot of the relationships were just more difficult. I'm better alone. Why? Why did Jesus set it up this way? Why does Paul talk so much about community? And so this is in your notes. The benefits of Christian community. The first benefit. Examples of godly living. Examples of godly living. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Let me turn there. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. That's not right. 11. Thank you. <laughs> um, there it is. Thank you. I put it wrong in my notes. But 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul says this, Paul says imitate me. Follow me as I follow God. Do what I do. Oh, I actually had it right there in my notes. Be imitators of me. Philippians 3.17 is another place. I'm going to read that one. Philippians 3.17. Paul writes this, brothers, join in imitating me 
and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So he says, follow me, imitate me, and watch those who are living it rightly. Watch those who know the word and are applying it. Their lives line up. Watch them. There's something about this Christian life that we watch others live it and we learn from that. Isn't it? But to do that, to watch others live it, you have to be in a relationship. How can I know how you handle a difficulty in your marriage without being in a relationship with you and seeing it happen? Or seeing you describe it to me? We have to be in relationships as we watch others go through this. You know, there's really three stages in learning, right? There's the explanation, there's the showing, and then there's the doing. So if I'm teaching somebody how to do something, whatever it is, you know, some task, I'm going to show you, mowing the lawn. Okay, Lydia, you know, you're nine years old, this was a couple years ago. We're going to mow the lawn. Here's how you start it. You put this, you know, you push, push that button three times. You know, when it doesn't work, come get me, we'll spray starter fluid. And, you know, I explain what to do. Okay, then you're going to go back and forth, and you want to overlap, and after you don't. So I explain it. Then I show her how to start it. I start it. And then I show her how to do a path, right? Then I turn it off and say, okay, now you do it. Okay, you know, she starts it. She goes in the path. And I go, okay, notice how you left this little patch in the middle. You need to overlap a little. So that's how we learn, right? There's some book learning. We get that through the word. Then there's watching others do it. That's relationships. You can't see others live the Christian life if you don't know them and you don't spend time with them. So that's the first one. Here's the second reason for Christian community opportunity for others to speak into our lives. It gives an opportunity for others to speak into our lives. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Leave that up for a couple minutes, please, Tony. Leave that up. But what do we do here yeah, this is an opportunity. We get in community because it gives others an opportunity to speak into our lives. And what does the author of Hebrews say? He says, consider, meaning think about, dwell on how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Some translations use the word spur rather than stimulate. A spur on a horse, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> Being spurred or stimulated on to love and good deeds, sometimes it's uncomfortable because it looks like someone coming to you and saying, you know what, I know you're a follower of Jesus, but I'm not seeing this in your life. I see this in Jesus' life. I don't see it in yours. And sometimes that hurts. It does. It's like, oh, that's uncomfortable. You know, um, for our kids. <laughs> Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We want to spur them to put the others first. And so, you know, they're having a fight, whatever, and I want this and I want this. You grab one, you pull on the side, you say, okay, you're right here, whatever. It doesn't matter. Here's what I want for you, though. I want you to be like Jesus, and I want you to put them first. I mean, you don't get what you want here, but you're going to teach them. You know, I do you say this to the older You teach your younger siblings how to be like Christ and selfless by letting them have the last popsicle. It's a stimulation there. It's a spurring to go do something right with the right heart, ideally. Then they have a choice whether they're going to go do it or not. <laughs> Often they don't, but hopefully sometimes they do. But that's, that's stimulating. Again, you have to be in relationships to be able to do that. And again, this takes humility, doesn't it? It takes humility. Um, look forward to verse 16 real quick, because we're going to see the same topic here. Verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you, teaching 
and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Teaching one another and admonishing. They're similar, but they're different. Teaching one another. To learn how to live the Christian life, a lot of times you're going to need somebody to tell you how. You can read about it and somebody to explain it. That's partly what we're doing here. This is part of you know, gather together. Don't forsake the gathering together. There's some teaching going on here of how we live it. The topic today is live in community. So you're going to leave here. If you didn't need, know that before, you're going to know, okay, to be a faithful follower of Jesus, I need to be in real relationships. I'm not going back to that church. <laughs> So teaching, but then admonishing. Admonishing has kind of the tone of correction. Admonishing is where, again, you're teaching, but it's maybe a correction of what's wrong. And by the way, you all have something wrong with you. So do I. <laughs> I need correction. None of us has arrived yet. It takes humility to be able to accept that correction, doesn't it? But it also takes a relationship to be able to offer that correction. If just somebody off the street comes up and tells me, you know, hey, I see this in your life and that's sin and that's off, I'm like, who the heck are you? Go away. But if Alex or Tony or Matt, or if, if somebody here that I care and I know loves me and cares about me, if they come up to say, you know, I see this gap in your life, I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to listen to that. Because I know they love me. I know we're focused on the kingdom together. But it takes a relationship. It takes a relationship for somebody to speak into your life and you to be able to hear it. Now there's something else in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. So stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Okay, so there's the spurring. Not forsaking our own assembling, meaning you need to be in relationship with one another, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. That's the other aspect of it. There's the stimulation part. There's the, uh, I can see this, but then there's the encouragement part. There's the, I see this in your life, and, and I see Jesus. I see this in your life. That's Jesus through you. It's clearly not you. That's encouraging. Or it's a specific gift or ability. You know, when, when you look at something, you go, I see this in them, but it takes a relationship to see something, Here's what I think you would be good at. You know, David and I have had this conversation several times through the years of, you know, David, I see in you a heart for the lost. <laughs> I see in you this, you know, he went one time to Starbucks and he put out a sign, um, tell me your story and I'll buy you a coffee. You, you know what I mean? And so there's these things I see. I see, David, I think God could use you to reach the lost. That's what we want to do here at Common Ground is we want to reach the unchurched. We want a place where they can be comfortable. And so I see this in David. Encouragement is going, okay, I see this in you. I think you have this ability. And then there's some spoiling in that. Now go do it. <laughs> no, let's, so you see how those go together, but there's encouragement. That's part of being together. We need that encouragement. James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Part of these relationships is confessing sins to one another. You know, I think our, our men's group is a good example of this. Uh, we have a men's group that is now kind of split up a bunch because we're in other groups, which is great. But our, in our men's group, we see some of this. We su see some of the spurring and some of the encouraging, some of the sin confession. But there's times where we'll, we'll be sitting in the group and somebody will share something. And we recognize something in there of, okay, you are really focused on the circumstance, and I'm not seeing faith there. You seem stressed about this. There's some lack of faith. But we've built a relationship where we can say that. We can say, hmm, are, are you having faith in this? Or is this about you right now? We have a relationship to do that. But there's other times where there's encouragement, where you see something positive, 
and you point that out. There's, I'm not going to point them out, but there's somebody in our group who, when you share a prayer request, he writes them down. You know, you know when you ask a prayer request, he's going to be praying about it later. That's encouraging. And later he'll ask you about it. Hey, what about a couple weeks ago, you prayed about this. I'm like, I don't even remember that. How's that going? Well, that's a, you care about me. <laughs> so you see how we need to be in relationships to have this going on. We need to. Number three. Number three. David, are you telling your wife who it is that I was just talking about? No. Okay. <laughs> Number three. Community, these relationships, it's where we participate in the mission to go make disciples. Right? That's our one job as the church and as Christians. Our purpose is to be in a relationship with God. Eternal life is that you know God. But our mission is to make disciples. That is to make faithful followers of Jesus. In relationships is where we do that, where we both make disciples and are made into a disciple, which is a faithful follower, a, a lifelong learner of Jesus. It's where we get to participate in the mission of God to make disciples. And I think this is, this is very important. And this is why we call our small groups outpost groups. Because there's a tendency in church to become a holy huddle. We get together with people like us. We love each other so much. And it's just about us. And I'll be honest. I'll confess, this is a struggle in my life of building relationships with those out there, the lost. So much of my life for many years has been consumed with, with teaching and making disciples and building relationships believers. That, that, that's been lacking in my life, to be honest. And that's something Kelly and I are working on right now. But in community, we, we are to be going together and on mission. And I think this, this aspect of the mission is key that holds it all together. Because if we're focused on the mission to expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us, then we're looking at something and we're working toward that together, right? So then, if we're going to accomplish that, and you and I and a group, we're going together to accomplish that, the mission of making disciples, which includes evangelism, bringing others in, then that's our goal, not me. I'm not the goal. So when you speak into my life, I know that you care about that goal. I'm listening. And I can speak into your life because that's the goal. The mission is the goal, to go make disciples. And so we're shoulder to shoulder carrying out a mission, trying to accomplish something, and we are supposed to be in these relationships. Uh, the, the picture I got was, you know, construction. You're building something. And uh, so say we're, we're building a wall, laying stone. You know, a lot of you know I, I lay stone. And so big wall, and there's five people all laying stone on the wall, doing it together. We, everybody has the goal of finishing it and getting paid, but also of making it look good. We want this to look good for our our customer, our client, whatever. So we are doing this job to make it look good. If one person is, is not doing a great job and so their, their section is going to look worse, would we just ignore it? <laughs> no. We'd probably speak in and go, okay, you know, you adjust it this so it all blends together. And that, and that person, because they want to do the best job possible, is going to listen and make some changes. I hope, am I making this clear? Football. Here's another analogy. Football, you're on a football team. You're on defense. The goal is to stop the offense. The goal isn't to just look really good yourself. But the goal is to stop the offense. If one person on that defense is not doing their job, there's a hole. You know, keep running it right because that linebacker is all over the place. Well, what does the team do? They go, hey, your position is in the middle. Stay there. <laughs> Speak. But you all have the same goal, and so it's, it's accepted. You have not only the right but the responsibility to speak in. And not only the right, but the responsibility to listen with humility and make adjustments. Again, the point, we must be in relationships for this to happen. 
That's why we call our groups outpost groups. Do you know that the Holy Spirit wants to do something in Carson City? I believe it wholeheartedly. He wants to bring people to you. He wants to change lives. And he wants to do it through y'all. He's going to do the, the heavy lifting, the hard work. But he's going to use y'all. Remember, we're plan A to reach the world. And there's no plan B. We are plan A. And God's plan is to use us as a group, as a community, to go make a difference. Now, I added a fourth one. This morning, as I was looking at my notes, I added a fourth one. So you can write this in if you want. But the fourth one is that community provides a place to bring others to. When we are living out the mission, if we're living it, if you're living for Christ and you're speaking for Christ, other people are going to be drawn to you. They're going to be drawn to Christ. They're going to place their faith. Then what? There needs to be a place to take them. A place where they can come and see. A place where they can watch others. You know, a new believer, they don't know what this whole giving thing is about. <laughs> so you build relationships and you're able to talk about that. Yeah, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we place them first. We give up the first of our paycheck. What? <laughs> Do you actually do that? You, you know, I mean, this is where you get in real relationships. You actually do Yeah, we do. What do you give? I can't afford it. Well, we give up cable. and we give up. You, you see how there's some learning in relationships. So community gives a place for you to bring those people in where they can watch others live it, where they can ask questions, where others can start speaking into their lives. We need the community to bring people in. Here's the application. Are you committed to a smaller group of Christians? Are you committed to a smaller group of Christians where you are making disciples of them, they are making disciples of you, you are engaging in the mission together, and all this can carry out? That's our one application. Our one application is are you in those relationships? If, I, if you remember anything, I don't want you to remember all the points of why it's useful. The Bible says it's useful. <laughs> There's lots of good reasons. We're commanded to be in relationships. Are you? Name them. Okay, nobody's naming them. Don't name them out loud, but, but who are you in a relationship with? If you're not, you need to make some adjustments. And we want to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. If you're not in relationships with other believers, get in relationships. We provide an opportunity for that through our outpost groups. If you want to join an outpost group, there, you can sign up in the back. There's cards. You can fill that out, or you can actually do it through our app. You can go to the outpost group thing. Um, but we provide an opportunity to get into relationships. Is that the only way? No. Should you sit there and go, I'm guilty because I'm not in a group, but I have this group? You're fine. You know, this is between you and God. But we provide outpost groups for you to get involved in relationships. Again, if you're in them, don't feel guilted into, oh, I need to join an outpost group because that's what my pastor says I have to do. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. But if you're not in relationships, we provide that tool, that help. And through those groups, we want to carry out the mission. So... On every other seat, I put one of these. This is an outpost group mobilization tool. Yeah, cool name, huh? <laughs> fill this out. If you're in a group, fill this out. If you're not in a group, fill this out. If you're in a group, fill this out, bring it to group this week, and give it to your leader. And talk about, we're going to talk about this in groups. If you're not in a group, fill this out, put your name on it, and put it in the offering box, because I want to see it. Because what this is going to do is this is going to help us as a body. That's what we are. We are a community, if you like it or not. I'm committed to you, whether you like it or not. And as a community, we are committed to taking God's mission to the world. This will enable us to understand 
what God has given us by way of gifts, abilities, passions. Fill this out, put it in the offering box. If you're in a group, take it to your group, talk about it, and then give this to your leader with your name on it. Because we're going to use this to, to strategically figure out how God can use us to change our city. There it is. If you don't have one, there's a couple more on the table on the way out. But, but please do this. Please fill this out. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for relationships. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for the friends that you put in my life. Thank you for the people you've put in my life that are difficult. Um, oh, they're all difficult. Because I'm difficult. God, I guess I thank you that people are patient with me. Because <laughs> I know I'm difficult. Um, which is great because that means you use me for other people to grow. Uh, but I thank you for the way that you've set it up. I thank you that we are to be in relationships with one another. I thank you for the grace that you have shown us through your son. And I thank you that we now can show that grace to others. Um, there is nothing like a genuine, authentic Christian community where people love one another, which means they're accepted where they're at, but others are able to speak into their lives. There's nothing like it. Uh, where we're focused on the mission shoulder to shoulder, not just focused on our own needs and wants and, and feed me and my own consumerism. There's something beautiful about it. And what's beautiful is that it's you there. Jesus, it's you there. I thank you that you've chosen to be present in your church through each of us and through us collectively. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that eternal life is knowing you, not doing something. Thank you. So I pray, Father, for this group right here, and for those who might be listening to the podcast somewhere else, I pray that we would be convicted through the Holy Spirit if we need to make some adjustments in our life to get into relationships, that we would do it. That we would be obedient. Not just selfishly so we can experience the abundant life, but that's part of it. But I pray that we would get in so that we can be part of your mission. We can be part of your body. We can help build into others. Because as we grow, you're using us for others. It's, it's a beautiful picture. So I just, I thank you. Um, let us not go away from your word ever unchanged. Father, uh, help us to continually lay our burdens at your feet and let you carry them. You are so beautiful. You are so wonderful. Change this city for you. Use common ground. Please, use common ground. Use every other church uh, in this area to reach out, to make a difference in this community. I ask for revival. Please, draw many people to you. And make it, do it in a way that it's so obviously you. <laughs> so none of us can take credit. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.